What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Raw Prospect Podcast. My name is Emmy Nixon. Today is October 7th, 2022. Recording this just after our our podcast on the NBA that went live on our channel. Um, we're going to be covering all of the baseball wild card round, the, the three game series for the first time ever, wild card round, um, an extended playoff bracket. Um, we're going to be covering that and also introducing a new segment on our channel that hopefully we'll be bringing back year over year with every year the MLB playoffs happens. Um, we're going to be calling it kind of a MLB playoff team draft. We'll be explaining that later. But first, joining me from Austin, Texas, the Stat King himself, Mr. Michael Ween. What's up? I just think it's funny because <laughs> I think this is the first time in our history where, and I could be wrong, we've obviously recorded late at night before and it's carried over into the next day. But this is like the first time where we've done two episodes where we did, we started one in one day on October 6th. Uh, we finished that and then we started another one like soon after midnight on the next day, October 7th. Um, yeah. So we're, we're obviously on the grind. As I mentioned in the live stream, um, it's a busy time in sports. I think it's one of the best times of the year. Uh, basketball is about to begin. Uh, the NBA starts in 12 days. Um, we obviously have more content to get to you, you know, as regards to our NBA preview. College basketball starts in a, a little over a month. Uh, we obviously have the World Cup coming up in a little over a month as well. We have NFL and college football going on. We're sort of getting into the meat of the season. Uh, and a bunch of, and it, of course, it's October now. And the crisp air, the fall air is here, and that means it's time for playoff baseball. Baseball that matters. Baseball that will be riveting, exciting. It's just, it delivers every single year. So we're going to talk about an expanded playoff format. And before we do that, I think we should sort of explain how this is going, how this year's bracket differs from last year. Um but, yeah, make sure you guys like and subscribe to our channel. We've obviously seen improve. Emmy and I are seeing uh, good numbers. Uh, we're seeing improvement. We want to continue that. So if you could like, subscribe, share this with your friends who also uh, love sports, uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. Um, so I guess we'll hop right into um, this by sort of just giving you guys a rundown of how this year's bracket sort of shapes up. So, of course, you know that in each league, the American League and the National League, there are three divisions, uh, the East Division, the West Division, and the Central Division. And so there are three division winners that make the playoffs every year uh, as locks. Um, and that's been – that stays the same this year. Only that instead of one team – getting that you know that by two teams now get buys the top two division winners in terms of record get the buys so for this year's playoffs for example 
uh, in the American League, the Astros had the best record with 106 wins. And the Yankees had the second best record with 99 wins. So those two teams get by, so they're automatically onto the divisional series. Um, and same thing in the National League, where the Dodgers had the best overall record in baseball with 111 wins, uh, which is insane. Uh, only three teams in history of the league have had more wins in a single season than the Dodgers had this year, but we'll get to that later. Um, and then the Braves, who um, obviously overtook the Mets the last week of the season by sweeping them in a, three, in a very important three-game series, where the Mets had Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, and Chris Bassett pitching. Those are their top three starters that are going to be pitching once again uh, in soon here in the postseason. Max Scherzer getting the game one start tomorrow night on national television against the San Diego Padres. So, um, yeah, that's that's one deferring factor. Two teams get buys in each conference. Uh, the top two division records, top two division winners by record in each league get, get that buy. Uh, the third division winner gets the three seed but has to play in a three-game wildcard series, but they get home field advantage for that series. So in the – American League, it was the central winner, the Cleveland Guardians, formerly the Cleveland Indians. Um, and then uh, in the National League, that would have been the St. Louis Cardinals, who also won the National League Central, and they're the three seed. So the the, the third best division winner uh, gets pushed down to the wild card. They have to play a three-game series, but it's at least better than the one-game thing bullshit that we – experienced the past you know however many years um you know you get to that point you've won 90 some games and you just can have your season ended based off one game it's i thought it was bullshit um so i i really like this format better so you have the three seed that will host the the lowest wild card team there's obviously an extra wild card team this year uh the sixth seed uh and they'll host them for all three games uh there is no traveling back and forth between cities in this wild card series it's all in one city so the host city hosts all three games if there are three games uh and they're back to back to back so it's going to be tomorrow it's going to be uh saturday and then if there are game threes those will be on sunday and then there'll be a rest day before the division series will start up on tuesday uh, so that's sort of how this thing is going to work and then obviously the four and the five seeds in terms of wild card based on record, we'll play a series. Uh, the winner of the three six is going to play the two seed in each in each uh, in each league, and the winner of the four five is going to play the one seed in each league. There is no like shuffling like we used to do in terms of seeding, where the highest remaining seed plays the you know the number two seed like the NFL used to do. It's not that. It's the winner of the three six plays the two, the winner of the four five plays the number one in each league. So that's sort of how this year's playoffs is going to work. And then we'll just go from there. Wild card is best of three, uh, division series is best of five, and then championship series and, of course, world series is best of seven. So we'll have it all covered for you, wire to wire. It's going to be a super fun postseason. But with that, let's just hop right into making our picks and analyzing these wildcard series.
Yeah. Um, I guess we could start with uh, Guardians versus Rays. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, I'll start. Um, why yeah. not? Um, I think this series – I'm I'm not gonna lie, the Guardians surprised me this year, but um as I've been reading up on them, I mean their pitching is fantastic. Um and obviously this series is just gonna be a battle of whose pitching wins out, really. Um I think it's I mean both teams kind of have a lack of power in their lineup, I'd say. Um I think scoring will be at a premium this series, obviously. But it that's what really makes it hard to predict, in my opinion. Um, all it really takes is one guy getting hot and then everybody else just kind of being around them in support, kind of a la that 2020 playoff run from the Tampa Bay Rays as well. Um, but one spot where I do think the Guardians have the clear advantage in, is in the bullpen. Um, the bullpen for the Guardians, I think, um, might be what wins them the series. I think um, closing out games in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, um, and possibly you know one one game, one to two game, zero zero game, possibly um, closing out um, in games like that, where every single pitch is going to matter way more. Any hit is going to really swing the tide in a, in a series like this. So I, I think that's where I give the edge to the Guardians. But I do think this game, this series will go to three games. And it, it's kind of a coin flip, to be honest. In my opinion, well, I'll get to my prediction in a minute. But, yeah, I think you hit – Everything right on the head. This series, in my opinion, is going to come down to obviously the pitching, which I'm going to dive deeper into in a minute, but also the ability to manufacture runs in different ways. In football, we talk about teams that can win in multiple ways. Well, this series, you know, in teams like this where there's not a whole lot of power that's going to be generated in either of these lineups. In fact, here are some stats for you as a stat king myself will provide you uh, <laughs> uh, only 23 only 23 players in the entire major leagues this season hit 30 or more home runs um, and the guardians um, and the rays were I think the only two teams uh, in this postseason that did not have a guy that hit 30 or more home runs um, so um, obviously, Jose Ramirez, the Cleveland Guardians star, comes close with 29. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we're talking about Josh Naylor for the Guardians, who's sort of their energizer bunny. He's next with 20. And then for the for the Rays, a Rosarina, who is a guy that people know uh, from the Rays. And then Isaac Pareda is a guy that no people, no casual fans know. Uh, they're tied as Tampa Bay's co-leaders with home runs at 20. Uh, these aren't power-generating teams. Uh, in fact, uh, the Rays' guardians, along with the Padres, who we're going to talk about later, are the only teams 
um, in the postseason that averaged less than a home run per game. Cleveland ranked 29th in total home runs per game, only above the Tigers for second to last in the league, while Tampa ranked 25th uh, in home runs with 137. Uh, but they rank last among playoff teams in slugging percentage, while the Guardians are second to last in slugging percentage. And slugging percentage, as a reminder, basically just measures a team's ability to hit for extra bases. Are they getting not just singles, but doubles, triples, and obviously hitting the ball out of the ballpark? Um, so it measures sort of the percentage of time. And there's more stuff that goes into it, but that's generally what it is. Uh, these teams are not they are not going to slug. Uh, I do think if one team ends up getting hot, well, that team will obviously have the advantage. I think I'd probably give the advantage to Cleveland. If there's one team that is going to get hot, I do think Cleveland has the horses more than more so than the Rays do. Um, you know, uh, Josh Naylor is a guy who can run into one every once in a while. Jose Ramirez has also been here, done that back when he was in the playoffs and the Indians. Um, they have some other guys too. Framel Reyes, some other, yeah, um, forgetting his name. Uh, but yeah, they have guys who can do it. They also have contact bats. That's one theme, I think, in this series. Who's going to hit better with runners in scoring position? I think that's my number one thing that I'll be focused on. Um, obviously, Randy Arozarena, uh, the star guy for the Rays, has a history of doing well in the postseason. Two years ago when the Rays went to the World Series, uh, he was the guy that kind of sparked them in that playoff run and uh, – put up incredible numbers during the postseason. So we'll see if he can sort of regenerate that magic. Uh, and Wander Franco needs to start a hit again. He really struggled over the last portion of the season. He came back off the a long stint on the IL. He's their star shortstop who they just signed to a massive contract recently. He's going to need to be a big factor. Um, but obviously the pitching is where you really got to focus this series. As Amy said, he put it perfectly when he said, runs are going to be at a premium. Uh, and that's not just because these offenses tend to struggle at times. It's because when you look at the way the pitching matches up, it's going to be tough. Um, obviously, you have a guy like Shane Bieber and McKenzie with Cleveland with the star bullpen, which I do think is really good. But with the Rays, you know, McClanahan, uh, who's going to start game one for the Rays, he was a guy – I know people don't follow baseball quite as deeply as I do. That was sort of the AL Cy Young front runner, believe it or not, at the All-Star break. He actually started the All-Star game for the American League, um, if you remember. Uh, he, at that time, had a 1.71 ERA, which is unbelievable, um, with 147 strikeouts in 110 innings. He got the starting nod at the All-Star game, but ever since uh, allowing a couple runs in his one inning at the All-Star game, he really struggled over the back half of the season. Um, he was actually a below uh, league average starter the second half of the season. He posted a 4.2 ERA in 55 and two-thirds innings after the All-Star break. Uh, that is not good, especially for a guy that had a 1.71 ERA uh, over the first half. So 
that's one question I have. If we're really diving deep, um, is what 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 version of Shane McClanahan do we get tomorrow? Is it going to be the guy over the first half of the season, or is it going to be the guy that we've seen lately that's really struggled? Um, um, so, and then you know the Rays have guys like Jeffrey Springs, and they do their bullshit with managing the bullpen, and Kevin Cash is really good with that, uh, but. And they have got – I mean, every team has guys that come in, they throw 98, 101 miles per hour. They're really good out of the bullpen. Both these teams have depth pitching-wise. Uh, but I do give the edge to the Guardians because, number one, I think if there's going to be a team that's going to hit for power in this series, it's going to be the Guardians, as I mentioned earlier, just the threats that they have offensively. And number two, they have the home field. Number three – their bullpen, I do think, is a little bit deeper. And I trust what they have in their starting rotation more than I do what the Rays have right now, uh, just because of the McClanahan struggles. He was their ace, and he's not been their ace lately. Uh, and Cleveland has an ace. So it's tough. Tampa Bay obviously has the experience factor, and I think that's huge. Uh, they're not new to this. They've played in road, road playoff environments before and played well. Uh, I certainly won't be surprised if they end up winning this series, but I'm going to take Cleveland in three. Yeah, yeah. I I think we're both on the same page there. It's going to be a really tough series, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rays won at all. Like, I think um, I think many people wouldn't be surprised at all. I think the Rays have made it, you know, a – a routine of, you know, proving people wrong year over year. Um, so they, they clearly, they really have the talent to do it. I think it'll just come down to um, rolling with those starting pitchers. And um, if they can go deep enough into the games, then you can really have, you know, Kluber or guys like that um, go into kind of a closer role um, and, that could really pay dividends. Um, so moving on, um, I guess the next series uh, we could do is uh, let's see. Let's stay in the American League. Let's talk yeah. about Mariners Blue Jays. Yeah. Mariners Blue Jays. Um, I guess I can start us off with this yeah, one. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Blue Jays are a team that was talked about highly. Um, in our preseason preview, but by a lot of people who had high expectations for them coming into the season. They still had a really good year, um, and they're in this position where they get a home wild card series and have a chance to make a run. Uh, but I don't think it was as great as people some people expected. Uh, it is their fourth postseason appearance, believe it or not, in the last eight years. Um, but, you know, and before, that they hadn't made the playoffs since winning back-to-back World 92-93. Um, so they know a thing or two about droughts, but another team that knows a thing or two about droughts is the Seattle Mariners, who are making their first playoff appearance uh, in 21 years. 2001 was the year that they had that historic year, but ultimately fell short um, by winning 116 games that most any team's ever won in a baseball regular season. 
Um, but ever since then, they have failed to make the postseason. They're back with an infusion of young talent. Um, if we're just going to go three aspects, I think that's what we should do. Three aspects to make this more simplified. Starting pitching, bullpen, lineup. I think that's what you got to do when you look at um, baseball. Starting pitching. From a Seattle perspective, they have a couple really good young arms. and It's going to be interesting to see how they deploy them. Now, they traded for Luis Castillo, who was one of the redeeming players on that Cincinnati, that bad, bad Cincinnati Reds roster. He's an ace. He thrives in these moments, uh, these big games, and he's been really solid for them, pitching to like a 3.1415 ERA since they acquired him at the trade deadline. That was a huge move. Uh, Seattle sort of came out of nowhere um, as a team that looking to acquire him. There wasn't a lot of noise around the Mariners uh, going into the trade deadline. Uh, but credit to them, they got him, and he's going to slot in and start game one tomorrow in a raucous environment. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Rogers Center in Toronto, uh, where the Blue Jays play during the postseason. It is going to be wild. Um, mayhem, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, he's a guy that's going to thrive in these environments. He's a he's like a bona fide ace. And behind them, behind him, excuse me, they have Robbie Ray, who's likely going to start game two, uh, who was actually, if you remember, uh, a Blue Jay last season. So he, he's going to be pitching against his former team. Uh, they signed him in the offseason. Uh, he's been a little bit more inconsistent this year, but he can give you a really great start at any time, and he has great stuff, knows how to pitch in these games. Um, so they obviously have a stacked rotation. Then you get to the younger guy, Logan Gilbert, a uh, guy who has nasty stuff and pitched really well for them this year, and also a rookie, George Kirby, who you might see in sort of a piggyback role off of, you know, some of their other guys. Um, so they have a deep rotation. I sort of give them the edge in terms of the depth and the star power in their starting rotation. Now, that's not to say that Toronto's rotation isn't capable. It's certainly really good. Um, Alec Manoa is a guy who had a Cy Young-ish season. Uh, you know, they acquire Kevin Gosman. They bring him over from the Giants. Uh, Jose Barrios is sort of a weaker three starter, and that's sort of where I give them the edge, the Mariners the edge in, in terms of depth starting pitching. But I think Alec Manoa, with how he's pitched this season, he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with um, with Luis Castillo. And then, of course, Kevin Gosman, a guy who got a lot of experience pitching for the Giants last year in the postseason, uh, has been really good for them. Uh, he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Robbie Ray in game two. So I think it's going to come down to that game three. I do think this is going to game three, uh, just the way these two teams play and how wild this series is going to be. Um, I do think it's going to game three, and I give Seattle the edge at the number three starter spot. Barrios hasn't been great for them. Uh, he's the guy they brought over from, I believe, Minnesota. He has not been what they thought he would be. Um, but I certainly could be proven wrong there. Uh, I do give Seattle the edge also in the bullpen. Um, they have a lot of arms. 
in that bullpen. Um, I'm not going to go into all of them. Don't need to. But I think they had the fourth lowest bullpen ERA in the majors. Uh, now, Toronto wasn't much worse, but Seattle's been reliable all year. And if they get a lead and they, you know, these stars give them length and they go to that bullpen, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, the main guy being Diego Castillo, who they actually got from the Rays in the offseason. Uh, he's a guy that comes in, and if he comes in late in those games, he can give them length. And he's this bullpen has been reliable all year. So while Toronto's pitching isn't bad, it's certainly really good. Uh, um, I just think the Mariners in terms of depth. Uh, not necessarily, but depth. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but I do think where the Blue Jays have a big edge is obviously offensively. Um, of course, we know what they present offensively with George Springer, who I think will be an X factor. Uh, you know, uh, Guerrero Jr., Bachet, who had an insane September, uh, Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, who was the American League's all-star catcher this season, to even a guy they acquired at the trade deadline, a previous all-star from the Kansas City Royals and Whit Merrifield, to you know Matt Chapman, a guy they got from the Oakland A's who has postseason experience. I mean, this lineup top to bottom is one of the best. Uh, so if they are firing on all cylinders, they're able to get to these Seattle starters early in the game. Well, it, the Blue Jays are obviously going to win this series, but if Seattle finds a way to neutralize uh, this Blue Jays lineup, which has struggled with situational hitting at times this year, um, which actually has resulted in them firing, resulted in them firing their manager midseason when they were in a slump. Um, yeah, I think that matchup is going to be crucial uh, from a Mariners perspective. Rodriguez is the star. Um, we're going to see just how good he is now going up against playoff caliber pitching uh, where every pitch, every move, everything matters. It is magnified more than in the regular season. Uh, but obviously, you know, Mitch Hanniger, a guy who's been there a while, and some other guys, you'd be surprised. Eugenio Suarez is actually a guy who they got in like a garbage trade from last offseason. He's actually a guy that hits for power. Uh, he's like top five in home runs since 2017. So, yeah, the Mariners certainly can do it. It's just going to be a matter of their ability to neutralize Toronto's offense with their pitching. And I think they can. Um, but if Toronto can hit their pitching, get to them early, force them to go to the bullpen, test the depths of their bullpen, well, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But I'm going to pick the upset here. I'm probably going to be wrong, but I just I just give the Mariners the edge. I think it's going to go to the third game, and in the third game, I think the Mariners have the edge as the more talented, better starting, starting pitching. And I think we're going to see the real emergence of the next star of baseball in Seattle and Julio Rodriguez. Okay, yeah, I – the Mariners are really tough because they got hot at the right time. They made moves in the, their pitching staff and in their lineup at the trade deadline 
um, to really push them to another level and help them in their playoff push. Um, but for me personally, I, I just have a hard time picking it against the Blue Jays in this matchup. Um, I I think this this Blue Jays lineup, even though they have been, you know, they have had their cold streaks. I think I think I just think the Mariners have an uphill battle in neutralizing them for two games out of three. Um, I. I know like their pitching in Seattle is fantastic, but I also think playing at home plays a big part as well. Um, as you mentioned, the Roger Center is they get, you know, they get fired up. And, you know, I would know as a former Rangers fan, um, the obviously the iconic moment with Jose Bautista and the bat flip and you know, yeah. you know how it went. Um yeah. I mean, this Blue Jays lineup is fantastic, um, and their pitching. Um, I have a stat here in front of me. I believe Manoa in September has a .88 ERA, um, which is just insane. In six starts in September, .88 ERA. Um, I think this Blue Jays team. Um, it just depends on if they rise to the occasion. Um, I think the Mariners could sneak up them on them and win this series. They're, they're obviously playing some really amazing baseball right now. Um, but I just have to pick the better overall team, the better overall lineup um, in the Blue Jays. That's totally fair. I totally get it. And look, I'm not going to be one bit surprised if the Blue Jays win this series. Of course, in any game, any three-game series, in any sport, game one is obviously of high importance. And right. I'm it's just, basically like a game five in basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. so excited to watch um, this pitching matchup with Manoa, who you mentioned has been lights out the last month, uh, and um, Luis Castillo. Uh, it's going to be... I mean, I know people have a lot of other things that they can be doing on a Friday afternoon. Um, but you have time, man. You got into that game tomorrow afternoon. I believe it's going to be a 3 o'clock game in Texas. It's a 4.07 Eastern first pitch. So I'm definitely going to be watching that game. I'm going to watch that game, and then I'm going to watch the night cap, uh, which is going to be uh, Padres Mets with Scherzer on the mound. You know how that works. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, it's going to be fun. But with that, we'll move on, uh, talk about these National League series, and then we'll get into our draft. Um, Phillies Cardinals. Do you have any thoughts on the Cardinals or the Phillies? Um, well, I'm more interested in um, the Cardinals in this series. Um, the Phillies kind of – um, to put it simply, I, I just think the Phillies are in the playoffs as a result of the extension. They kind of puts mediocrity on, on a pedestal. I'm not too high on this Phillies team, um, especially defensively. I think um, that might be what does them in. Um, yeah. But 
One thing I will say about the Phillies is they hit for power. They, um, their their lineup, they, to put it simply, they hit they hit dingers. Um, they rely on home run hitting. Um, they don't really have a lot of you know contact bats, but that hasn't mattered throughout the season. Um, but the thing that really kind of puts me off towards them is really just their defense. And also the fact where, that they really just limped into the playoffs, um, kind of kind of on their last legs. I think there is a chance that they could, you know, um, have some fireworks offensively, maybe in this series. But I, I just think the Cardinals are the better team. Yeah, and one thing people forget or just don't necessarily pay attention to is. I think because some of these Midwestern teams that are in smaller markets with not as well-known players, even though the Cardinals have some well-known players, um, like Albert Poole, for example, the second all-time leader in RBI now. Um, and, you know, I think he's fourth all-time in home runs now. But anywho, one of the greatest hitters ever. Uh, and, of course, they had that core of Pujols and – Yadier Molina at the catching position and Adam Wainwright um, starting pitching. But this offense is is really good. The St. Louis offense is really good, and that's something I feel like people just don't realize because they're kind of tucked away in St. Louis and they don't have all the names that some of these other teams have. Um, they're, they're good, and the reverse splits aren't – too staggering. They're actually pretty balanced. They hit right-handed pitching, uh, which is, of course, the Phillies are a very right-hand heavy staff, just about as well as they hit left-handed pitching. They actually, in fact, crush left-handed pitching. They have a 126 OPS plus against lefties this year. That was the best such mark in all of the majors. Um, Paul Goldschmidt had an MVP caliber year. We've seen a resurgence of power, old man power, if you will, uh, Albert Pujols sort of turning back the clock. I feel, I just feel like it's his last year. He's going to be retiring after the postseason. He's going to have a huge moment in the series. I, not Maybe not in this series, but sometime in these playoffs, he's going to have his moment. I, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it's just bound to happen. Um, and then Nolan Arenado, who's one of the best third basemen in the game, uh, they obviously went out and they made moves at the deadline uh, to, to deepen the depth on this pitching staff, getting a guy from the Yankees like Jordan Montgomery, who's pitched lights out since he's gotten there. They got someone else. I forget who it was, but uh, with Wainwright and uh, Jose Quintana, who I think they also got from the Pirates, uh, their, their pitching got deeper. And I just think they're the more well-rounded team, to put it simply. No need to go any further than that than the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, one thing I'll say about the Phillies, though, is they have those home run threats in their lineup, like you mentioned. Bryce Harper, of course, is one that we all know, but Kyle Schwarber is another guy. Uh, who actually, I think, finished second in the home run race behind Judge um, with, like, 40-some home runs, had a great year. 
um, JT Rio Muto, uh, their catcher, uh, and some guys up and down that lineup that can, of course, hit for power. But as you mentioned, the defense is lackluster at times, and I just don't trust their ability to manufacture runs in other ways. Now, a common misconception that I want to address um, that people often talk about is like, you can't win the playoffs if you hit home runs. Uh, you can't be – it's correct that you can't be overly home run reliant. But when people say, like, you, you have to play small ball, you can't be a power-hitting team and win the playoffs, no, that's not, that's not correct. In fact, if you look at the World Series winners from the past five years, they all score more than 50% of their runs via the home run ball. Last year's Braves team – in that World Series, scored 70% of their runs on the home run ball. You have to be able to hit for power. It does matter in the postseason. Um, so if the Phillies get hot, it could be a problem, is my point. But, yeah, that's just a common misconception that I think I should address, just for the fans out there who think you have to – it, of course, matters more in the postseason. you got to get on base. You got to steal bases. You got to be able to manufacture runs in different ways. But it's incorrect to say that, you know, you can't win in the postseason just hitting home runs. No. In fact, the teams that do the best in the postseason nowadays are the teams that do hit home runs. It's just your ability to hit those home runs against the best pitching in the world. That's what it comes down to. Um, so if the Phillies get hot, they can. They can make some noise. They can challenge the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are the more well-rounded team. They're better defensively. Uh, they're better in the bullpen. Uh, and I think they're better at starting pitching as well. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, moving along here. Um, next series. Last series here. Um it's going to be Padres and Mets. I believe it was Mets, right? Padres, Mets. Sorry. Um, I'll, let I you guess, start. I'll start off. Yeah. Um, man, uh, the Mets, they they kind of fumbled the bag to close the, to close the regular season. Um, if you don't know already, uh, they got swept by the Atlanta Braves to close – the regular season um, to ultimately lose the NL East, which is now why they're in the this position playing in a wild card matchup against a incredibly talented San Diego Padres team. Um, the one saving grace is, as we've mentioned before on this podcast, they have the ultimate triple threat of starting pitching in all of baseball, in my opinion, in Max, Max Scherzer, um, Jacob deGrom, um, well, not triple threat, double or duo. That's what I meant to say. Um, the Mets also, they have a great lineup as well. Um, I don't, I just don't know. Honestly, I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say on this series. I don't, I really don't know who to pick. It's tough. One thing that I should point out right away is there's actually some 
uncertainty around when the Mets are going to pitch Jacob DeGrom, whether that's going to be game two or whether they might save him for a potential game three um, or even push him and save him for the division series if they, if they're, you know, if they get there. Um, But it's already been announced. They're going to have Scherzer tomorrow. And then it's unclear after that what they're going to do. They could pitch Chris Bassett, who's a fantastic number three, who they got in a trade in the offseason via the Oakland A's, who, of course, went into tank mode this year. Um, you know, they have other guys who can get it done. Taiwan Walker's another guy who's pitched in the playoffs before. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's sort of – there's not uncertainty about his health, which is a good thing. Uh, but there is uncertainty of where they're going to use Jacob DeGrom, and that's going to be really interesting to see that situation play out over the next 24, 48 hours where we should get an official announcement of when DeGrom is actually going to pitch. Now, one thing, I, another thing I'll point out, though, is it's actually you've seen Jacob DeGrom be human the past couple of starts. Um, he's gotten hit around a little bit. I'm not too worried about it, but – you know, he returned from a stint on the IL, um, you know, through seven starts. He, you know, had a 1.66 ERA with only four walks and seven starts, was averaging more than six innings pouting. So he was being lights out and he was giving them good length, saving that bullpen. Um, he liked Jacob DeGrom, but then – came a stretch where he gave up three runs in six innings to a Cubs team that was sub 500 this year. Not very good. Uh, he gave up three runs in to the very bad Pirates team. But four runs, but five runs in four innings to the last place Oakland A's. And then in a huge game against Atlanta last week, he got hit around uh, three runs in six innings. So... He had that great start, and now he's sort of struggled over his last five or six starts, and it's it's a bit concerning. Uh, it would be one thing if he had one or two loopers in there. You know, coming back off that injury, it's not easy. But it it, it was bad – not necessarily bad starts. Three innings – or I can't talk. Allowing three runs in six innings – is classified as a quality start in Major League Baseball. Like, you keep your team in the game. It's a good start. You give your team some length. It's not bad to give up three runs in six innings. But it's bad for Jacob DeGrom. Um, So we just had to see that. He's been lights out his entire career. Um, So there is a little bit of concern there. Um, We don't know what's going on. The Mets said he's been dealing with a blister somewhere on his pitching hand, which may have been, you know, a factor in that. Maybe that's why he's not already slated to pitch game two. Maybe they want to give him a little bit more time to recover from that. Who knows? But that's certainly something to watch because this Padres offense is no slouch. Now, we, of course, thought that they were going to have a star coming back midseason. His name, Fernando Tatis Jr., and – they had a star come in midseason, but his name wasn't Fernando Tatis Jr. It was Juan Soto, who they acquired 
and one of the biggest trades ever at the trade deadline. And it's paid dividends for sure. Um, he went into a little bit of a slump, getting to a new place in the adjustment period, but he's been he's been Juan Soto for the most part. Uh, and I expect big things because the last time Juan Soto was postseason, he was rising Justin Verlander in the World Series. Um, but anywho, um, on his way to, I think, what was, no, Scherzer won the World Series MVP that year, I think, but Soto was huge in that, in that playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, man, this is the most interesting series to me. Um, now the Padres offense has been inconsistent, uh, and so have the Mets in some ratio, but I just think with Scherzer on the mound tomorrow against you, Darvish, a guy who's been pretty solid for the, for the, uh, Padres, but has had his inconsistencies with this but the experience the Mets have on this roster in the postseason, even though this team as a whole doesn't have a whole lot of experience with a guy that you know what you're going to get tomorrow probably from Max Scherzer. As long as they can limit the – if the Mets pitching staff can keep the Padres in the ballpark, the Padres have struggled to consistently manufacture runs when runners are in scoring position. And aside from Juan Soto and a couple other guys, the bottom of that lineup gets a little thin. And I just think with Pete Alonso, Lindor, um, and you know the other guys they have in their lineup, we don't need to rattle off all the names until later in the postseason. I think the Mets will find a way to get it done. Uh, but I'm certainly concerned about the Grom and – you know, but I just think and the Padres could certainly surprise some people, but I just think this bullpen that the Mets have, it's it's legit. And once uh, their closer comes into the game, as we said in our last MLE podcast, uh, it's over. Like you're not you're not hitting that guy. Um, so yeah, I just think I think the Mets will find a way to get it done in three games. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm going to be with you there. I. Part of me wants to pick the Padres simply because, um, you know, coming off a sweep to close the regular season, I think, um, what that can do to a team mentally, it might just have them reeling a little bit going into this game one. But, um, I think what you mentioned about the end of that Padres lineup is, um is a pretty good point. Um, I, it, this is really tough. I, as a person who doesn't really watch nearly as much baseball as you do, this is kind of just a shot in the dark, but um, I guess I'm going to go with the Mets as well in three games. Um, but I, I don't feel particularly confident about it. That's for sure. Well, you, you watch playoff baseball, right? Yeah. Yeah. A bit. Well, that's all that matters. Then. Um, this is all just for fun. We're making these predictions for fun. The real point of this is to go dive deep into these series because I think they're going to be fantastic. But we'll move to our second uh, segment of the show. Um, I will explain the draft, and then we'll get right into it. 
This is basically going to be like an extended, replacing extended futures bets on all of these teams. The way it's going to work is there are, of course, 12 teams that made this year's postseason, six in the American League, six in the National League. And as I explained earlier, four of those teams got buys. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what we're going to do is Emmy and I are each going to get a chance to pick pick teams. We're basically drafting teams. Um, and we're placing future bets based on how many games we project them to win and how far we actually project them to go uh, in our minds uh, during this postseason and based on our their chances of going deep into the playoffs and possibly even winning the World Series. Uh, it's going to be a contest between Emmy and Emmy and I, and uh, we're going to allot points to the teams based on how many individual games they win in the postseason. And the points will vary by round. So it might be one point for the wild card, two points for the divisional series, and so forth. We haven't decided yet. We'll let you know on the next podcast that we do. Um, but yeah, so the way this draft is going to work is we're first going to pick from to make it as fair as possible, the teams that get buys. So we haven't decided who's going to go first, but if Emmy goes first, um, for example, we'll just alternate picking from those four teams so we each get two of those teams. So it would make it as fair as possible. It wouldn't be fair if I got three of the teams that got buys and he only got one, vice versa. Um, so we're going to do that first. Then we're going to move to the wild card teams. And the person that didn't pick first there will pick first from the wild card teams. And then we'll just alternate and we'll keep going until we each have our six teams. I'm going to be writing them down while we do it. But I guess since you don't know as much about baseball, um, I will let you go have your first pick from the teams that have buys. Those are the Dodgers, the Braves, the Yankees, and the Astros. Um, and we'll just go from there. Um, well, it's tough. Um, I, I feel kind of inclined to pick the Dodgers since they, they won 110 games, but I'm a little bit concerned about some of their injuries that they have. So I'm actually going to go with the defending champs. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves. That's a great pick. I think the Braves more well, even a more well-rounded team than they had in last year's postseason. Uh, do you have any further reasoning beyond that, or is that just? Um, well, they're they're riding high on confidence right now as well, um, and I mean, as you said, I mean their their lineup balance is great, and their pitching is even better than last year. I think. Um, if they get any type of, you know, clutch performance, like in any type of comparable way to last year, they'll be going deep in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, they have a, a lights-out rookie pitcher, Spencer Strider. If you haven't heard of him, you'll certainly see him over the course of the postseason. Um, they brought in Kenley Jansen from the Dodgers to be their closer, which I think has helped. Um, he's had his bad moments, but I think he'll be ready as a guy who's pitched in the postseason multiple times. Uh, and he'll certainly help them in the back end of that bullpen. And then, you know, a lot of people worried about Fred losing Freddie Freeman. Um, but 
they were able to replace him with another all-star first baseman in Matt Olson. And they have all the guys that they had last year, plus they get Ronald Acuna back. Um, he's playing now. He was not playing last year um, due to that ACL injury that he suffered. So they did lose Ozzy Albies, uh, who's their second baseman. He's not going to be playing in the postseason, but I don't expect that to have too much of a you know, effect on their ability to win it all. I think they're possibly you can make the argument if the Dodgers aren't fully healthy, they're the most well-rounded team, not only in the National League, but potentially in all of baseball. Now, I know I love the Yankees, but I'm going to – my first pick is going to be the Houston Astros um, just because of what I know about the playoffs. It's top-end pitching usually wins out over the long run, and – the Houston Astros have no shortage of uh, of pitching. They have six capable starters that can come in and shove at any time. Um, you know, from Verlander, who had a Cy Young worthy year at the age of 40 with a sub two ERA, which is just out of this world for a 40 year old, um, to, you know, Jose Arquiti and uh, Framber Valdez, and I can't even name them all, uh, Lance McCullers, and so forth. Uh, they are really good uh, starting pitching, possibly the best in, of, in all of baseball, not only in terms of talent, but also in terms of depth. And they have that bona fide ace who's done it before, Justin Verlander. Um, and then you, know, you lose Carlos Correa, you lose a couple other minor pieces here and there, the offense still goes. It's produces can fairly consistently. Consistently, I love Dusty Baker as a manager. Uh, I respect him a whole lot more than the other guy that they had. Uh, forget his name, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, oh, AJ Hinch. That's who it was. Who's now a bench coach somewhere? But yeah, I think. Uh, Disastrous team just because of their pitching, the depth in their bullpen, which they added to over the course of the offseason. From, you know, in that lineup from uh, Altuve to the new guy that they have, uh, Alvarez uh, to Kyle Tucker and all those guys, they continue to thrive. So they've been in the World Series three of the past five years. And I see no reason they'll be not be competing for another AL pennant come the ALCS. Okay, yeah. Um, 100% agree with you there. Um, I think for the sake of this draft, I think it would be weird if I chose two NL teams um, for both of my buy teams. I'm going to go with the Yankees here. Um, Fair enough. I, I think for the sake of this draft, it would just be weird to have my two teams – um, likely going against each other in the um, yeah that makes sense. championship series. So I'm going to go with the Yanks. Um, and I mean, reasoning there. I mean, it's I mean their lineup is powerful to say the least, and their pitching uh, is really good as well. Garrett Cole, um, and among other guys as well. Yeah, there's one thing that the Yankees can say that no other team can say. And you know what that one thing is? They have the best player in baseball right now. 
indeed. They have Aaron Judge, and no other team has Aaron Judge. Yeah. I know there are great players around baseball right now, but we just witnessed one of the best offensive seasons we've seen from any player, I think, in baseball history. Right. Uh, he did this all in a contract year. And I think something different about the Yankees is they have that depth at the starting pitching right now. The way that a guy like Luis Severino has been performing, a guy they did not have uh, in years past due to injury problems. Um, uh, and then Nestor Cortez, who's been an absolute revelation this year. Um, and then, of course, getting Frankie Montas from the A's. I think he'll factor in some way when they go deeper. Uh, but I love the way that their pitching is actually going to match up with whoever they face in the ALDS because it will either be the Guardians or the Rays, and both those teams have spectacular pitching staffs. But the right. Yankees have a lineup that can produce at a high level as well. So, um, yeah, I think you're going to be surprised at what the Yankees do this postseason. Um, but I guess that leaves me with the Dodgers, which I'm okay with. Um, yeah. It's There are questions with health. I don't think they're like the runaway favorites right now. Um, you know, Kershaw has been on and off the IL. They're not going to have Walker Buehler this postseason. He's been out for a while now. Uh, you know, they have some younger guys. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is a guy that's stepped up for them lately, uh, but he doesn't have a whole lot of experience in the postseason. Julio Arias is obviously a guy that's going to be huge for them. Um, that we've seen in years past. But their lineup, I mean, we don't need to talk about it. It's been one of the best in baseball. The top three of Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner is, like, unmatched. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but there are some – there is a little bit of trepidation here because of the injuries to the starting pitching. But the Dodgers are so deep that I don't worry about that all too much. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so um, so far I have the Braves and Braves and the Yankees, and you have the Astros and the Dodgers. Okay, um, moving on to the wild card teams. Um, you're up first. Go ahead. Okay, I think this is tough, um, but I look at these matchups; they're very interesting. I think what I'm going to do. A team that I'm really high on right now is the um, Cardinals. I just love what they have. They're a well-rounded team. Uh, and I'm sort of rooting for the Albert Pujols story to continue into the postseason. Um, and as I mentioned, Goldschmidt, Arenado, they bring in guys like Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery to deepen that pitching staff. Uh, their bullpen's solid. They're just an all-around – they're one of the better defensive teams in baseball. Uh, they're not going to make a whole lot of errors that may come in the postseason. Solid, really solid defensively. You can trust them. Arenado's been doing his thing at third for years now. Goldschmidt's a really solid first baseman. They're good up the middle at second second base and shortstop with Paul DeYoung and some other guys. Uh, and... I just love how well-rounded the Cardinals are. I feel like they're a team that can surprise some people and make some real noise. So I'm going to go with the three seed in the NL, the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. 
Um, I think for my pick, it's really tough because the teams I'm left with ha- all have extremely tough matchups and could get bounced um, in the wild card. But I think I'm going to have to go with the Blue Jays um, simply because I think if they were to move on, I think they have the most upside and the team, they're probably the team that I would trust the most to move past the divisional round if they do get past the wild card because they have such good high-end talent in their lineup and good pitching as well. Makes sense. That's a good, that's a certainly a good pick. Um, I don't know if we want to, we didn't really talk this through. Do we want to have it balanced to where, like, I I guess I get, uh, well, I guess there's four wildcard teams in each league. So do we each get two wildcard teams from each league, or does it just not matter at this point? Um, for, for wildcard, I don't think it matters as much. I okay. think I think what we did for the um, the teams with buys made sense. Um, but for this, in, in this case, I think it's fine. Okay, so, so far you have the Braves, Yankees, and Blue Jays. I have Astros, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals. Cardinals yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go to the AL now. Um, I don't want to take both three seeds away. I think that's un- a little bit unfair. So I'm going to go with a team that could surprise some people, uh, and that's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays. I just – I know it's a little bit of a surprise picking a six seed, a team that a lot of people are doubting right now, um, right here in this position as my fourth team in this draft. But look, it's Kevin Cash. They always find a way. Uh, they screw with teams. They play mind games with teams by not even having starting pitching sometimes. Sometimes they do that whole bullpen thing where they – start a guy for maybe one or two innings, and then they go to their bullpen. They know how to match up out of the bullpen. They know their lanes. They're aggressive out of the bullpen. They just got Tyler Glasnow back. Uh, He's been pitching really well since his coming off Tommy John. Uh, He could really slot in that starting rotation and make up for some of the Shane McClanahan doubts that we have. And, you know, Playing the Guardians, although it's not going to be easy, the Guardians can, are certainly there for a reason. I mean, they beat out a talented Twins team and a talented uh, White Sox team for this position uh, to win the AL Central. But the Rays have the experience factor, and their manager just knows how to manipulate things come playoff time. We've seen it time and time again. Um, and I think when push comes to shove – even though I picked the Guardians to win, I think getting even a win out of the race at this point will be good value. Um, but I can certainly see a scenario, or like I pointed out earlier, where the Rays pull off the upset. Um, so I just – I have so much respect for the Rays as a Yankees fan uh, that I'm just going to take a risk and go with Tampa Bay. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um that leaves me with um, choosing between the Guardians, Mets, Padres, and Mariners. So I think and Phillies, and Phillies as well. Yep. Um, 
Man, I, I, you probably, I, I, you probably don't want to pick the Mariners because the uh, Blue Jays and Mariners match up. Right. Right. You don't pick teams that match up against each other. Yeah. Right. I think um, to combat your raise pick, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the Cleveland Guardians. Um, I have some questions about like their upside like beyond the wild card round, but I do think they certainly have the talent to get it done in that series um, and move on to the divisional series. Yeah, they're, they were actually my pick for that series. I think people are overlooking them, um, but I certainly think, you know, we're going to see. Uh, that's the first series up on the docket tomorrow. Um, interesting. Maybe tune in for a couple innings if you can. Right. Um, so we both have four teams. I guess that leaves us with four teams left, so we each have two more picks. Um, the teams that are left are going to be the Mariners – the um, Mets, the Padres, and the Phillies. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and take the Mariners, um, the team I picked to beat the uh, the the Blue Jays. Yep, um, it's getting late. Two yeah. five a.m. Yeah. Um, look, the, as I pointed out, getting Luis Castillo, having a former Cy Young winner as your number two starter, and then the young talent they have beyond that, solid bullpen. I think you're gonna see Julio Rodriguez. He lives. I think he just lives for these type of moments, and you're gonna see the Mariners surprise some people. So. Um, yeah, I think they could be sort of the Cinderella team, if you will, of this postseason. Yeah, I I actually really like that pick. Um, as like the moves they made at the trade deadline, you know, it really kind of rounded out that roster, and they're really riding high on some momentum right now. So, um, and as you said, like I really just think Julio Rodriguez is a showman. I mean that that performance he put on at the home run derby. I know that doesn't really matter, but he he puts on a show in big moments. That's that's what you want out of your star players. Um. Okay, for my pick, I think, man, I. Well, okay, I think I'm gonna go with the Mets. Okay, but I think you're just gonna by default you're gonna be left with the Phillies, right? Because I have the uh, I have the Cardinals who are playing the Phillies. Right. And I don't want the Phillies. We're trying to get those matchups. So you have the Phillies. So you're basically making your last pick here. Uh, right. Mets or Padres. And you're going with the Mets, right? right. Yes. Um, okay. I, I just think that pitching staff, I, I just believe in that staff more. Um, and I think the depth of that team is really going to show itself. I, I just hope that their their hitting comes through. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So that leaves me with the San Diego Padres. And Emmy, of course, rounds his draft off with the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, so really not a whole lot to be said there. Uh, I think this draft went really well, and we'll just have to see how it all works out. Um, Emmy, 
with the Braves, Yankees, Blue Jays, Guardians, Mets, and Phillies. Uh, <laughs> Michael, myself, with the Astros. It's getting so late I'm talking in third person now. Um, that's yeah. just where we are. <laughs> the Astros, Dodgers, Cardinals, Rays, Mariners, and Padres. Um, so, look, I think it's going to be a great postseason. We're obviously – it doesn't stop here. Um we're going to talk about the division series uh, if we can. Yeah, we will. Then we're going to, you know, it goes on. So I guess enjoy baseball this weekend along with football. Um, it's going to be weird having a three game wild card series going on while football's on, but I think I'll be flipping back and forth between the games to see what's going on. I think it'll be fun. So that's going to do it here at 2.08 a.m. For the Raw Prospect Podcast on October seventh. Do you have anything you want yeah. to say? Um, no. Um, I guess thanks for sticking around in our insomnia esque podcast mode. I guess um, the energy wasn't too high to close this pod, but um, I think this was a pretty good episode, nonetheless. Um, and I'll just I'll just let you sign off. Not sign us off. What am I saying? <laughs> Sign us off. <laughs> well, I guess just like four baseball teams seasons that will not be that will end after um, this weekend. We are going, going, gone. Peace and out. just like our sleep schedules, we're going, going, gone. See yeah, ya. That's been gone for a while now. But. Yeah. <laughs> Peace out.